um, of where we've been so far in my series on King Asa. So Second Chronicles chapter 15 and verse 1. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, sorry, hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while ye be with him. <clears throat> and if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season Israel had been without the true God and without a teaching priest and uh, without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. In those times there was no peace to them that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. A nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of the, all the land of Judah and Benjamin, and out of the cities which had been taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and, and out of Simeon. For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa. And we thank the Lord for his word. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can sing about grace um, with, uh, with uh, Lord expectant hearts and with joyful hearts uh, because we have received of your grace, Lord. We know um, that is the nature of grace. We don't deserve it, uh, but you've given your kindness to us. You've shown goodness to us you've forgiven sins and say so, lord we thank you that for your grace and father once again we just pray that you would give us grace lord to hear your word tonight perhaps lord there's something that each of us need or one of us need or some of us need to hear i pray that your holy spirit would uh, seek that person out that heart and and lord lay that upon the heart whatever our need might be lord we want to commit this meeting and this message to you in jesus name amen We've been learning that when we get to uh, this chapter in the story of King Asa, <clears throat> uh, he's a strong and he's a godly leader. Uh, and Judah has done well under his leadership. Uh, he was in the 15th year of his reign <clears throat> when he received a visit from a prophet named Azariah. We don't know anything about him. He was unknown, uh, it seems, uh, to Asa. And the, there's no other mention of him in the, in the Old Testament, but he just sort of pops out of nowhere and... He gives Asa a prophecy. And so in verses 1 to 7, we saw Azariah's message. Azariah was sent to remind Asa uh, from the testimony of the long season of the judges what would happen to him and to Judah if he forsook the Lord. Uh, just remember what happened there in the times of the judges, those that forsook the Lord, the Lord forsook them. And so it, it, there was, there was uh, punishment because of that. Uh, but he was also to remind uh, Asa and those of Judah how even in those days, in the days of the judges, 
when the Israelites turned to the Lord, the Lord vexed the nations that had troubled Israel. That's really the nature of that bit, a bit complicated prophecy that Azariah gave to Asa. Uh, the prophet then exhorted the king to be strong and not weak, and if he was strong, his work would be rewarded. And the prophecy ended with this, uh, this exhortation, verse 7, Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. So Azariah encouraged Asa. If he continued to seek the Lord, his work would be rewarded. Now, what was that work? What was he, what was he talking about? Well, last time I explained that over the 15 years of his reign, uh, Judah had fallen into some spiritual decline. That was because of some of the religious refugees that had come from those three other uh, tribes in Israel and it had come because of, of cities and towns that they'd conquered uh, in the various wars uh, where people worshipped idols. Because of these reasons and perhaps also just over time people went back to old habits, uh, Judah had fallen into some uh, spiritual decline. And the worst of it was that idolatry had once again begun to trouble the, uh, the kingdom. And so uh, Azariah comes and uh, he gives him this prophecy to be strong uh, for, to, for the work that the Lord was called him to do. And it seems that he understood entirely what that work was. And so we saw in verses 8 to 11, Asa's reaction to Azariah's prophecy or Azariah's message. As the king, he could have said, who are you to talk to me like that? I'm the king. I'm the strong king. I'm the good king. Uh, but he didn't. He reacted well. Uh, he reacted positively uh, to Azariah's message. Verse 8, And when Asa heard those, these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which had taken uh, he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. So Asa's response to the message of the prophet was to do as God had said. And that was to take courage, and he took courage. Secondly, to put away the idols. And thirdly, uh, on the basis of that, he went, it seems, on his own back to renew the altar in the temple. The altar in the temple um, perhaps it'd be, it needed to be uh, some sort of repair or it needed to be renewed in some way, but he took it on his own bat after he, he had dealt with or while he was dealing with the idols in the land, he would set about to renew the altar in the temple. Now he renewed the altar in the temple of the Lord because he intended to call the people to a great feast. Uh, he would try again to, to rid his kingdom of idols, yes, but he would also try to bring his people back to the Lord. You can remove peop the people's idols, but you needed to replace it with something positive. Get rid of the negative and replace it with something positive. It's the old replacement principle. In this case, actually, it's more correctly, the, he was concerned to get rid of the idols and then encourage the people to put the Lord back in his rightful place as the Lord that they worshipped, the God that they worshipped. So he planned to call this feast. He had, so he had the altar renewed and whatever it was, was required to, to do. And then he called the people 
to this feast. Verse 9, And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon. For they fell unto him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month in the 15th year of the reign of Asa. So this feast was held in the third month of the Jewish calendar. Uh, this was the month of Sivan, corresponding to our June, so it was summer over there. And so this was the month of the Feast of Pentecost. So perhaps this was the Feast of Pentecost, one of the three great priests that all the men of Israel had to attend. Now, we read here, they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem. And uh, we might uh, be a bit sceptical and think people came to the feast because uh, they feared the wrath of the king. The king, no less than King Asa, the successful warrior king, had called them to the feast. And who, wasn't gonna, who was going to say no? And so we could be sceptical and think, well, perhaps they feared the king's wrath and that's why they gathered together at the temple for the feast. So what was the heart response to all the king had done? And that's where I was up to in my little series. Uh, we've covered all that I've just shared before. And so having seen Azariah's message and Asa's reaction to that message, we now discover the people's, what I've called, revival. The people's revival. We see in verse 11, And they offered unto the Lord the same, uh, at, the sa at the same time of the spoil which they had brought, 700 oxen and seven thousand sheep so here's the first indication of their heart response did they just come because the king said to because they feared the king's wrath well this first uh, first response this offering seems to suggest that this was something else this was from the heart we read here that they offered unto the lord the spoil which they had brought uh, they didn't offer the, the animals that the, the king had brought. They offered the offerings, they offered the oxen, and they offered the sheep that they had brought from the spoils, and when spoils, the spoils they had taken in war. Now we don't read here in Second Chronicles of all the wars that King Asa um, had and, and all the land that was taken and the spoil that was taken from various other nations, but the these, 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 uh, these men who had been with him in the war and had taken spoils, now they brought some of, the, some of them brought some of that spoil to the temple to be offered to the Lord. This wasn't the, them offering what the king gave them to offer. This was offering what they did from their own heart. It's a bit like when your children, when the, that little offering bag goes by, uh, mums and dads like to give their kids a couple of dollars or 50 cents to put in the offering. It's good to train children to give money to the Lord. But it's even more of a blessing when the child says, no, I'm going to give some of my money to the Lord. And so they take some of the money that they have and they give that money to the Lord. That, that, that shows you the heart response of the children. And so what we see, read here firstly in the offering indicates that they did want to get right with God. Perhaps this also indicates that they wanted atonement for their sins uh, by making these offerings from their own flocks. Um, th they had, uh, many of those people who were attending that uh, feast had been worshipping idols up until this time. And I suppose, we're not, we don't read here of the details, but the king would have sent out 
all of his soldiers and his officers and perhaps the priests throughout the land to, to, to deal with the idols. And many of these people were caught in the act, breaking God, the commandments of worshipping idols, worshipping other gods. And perhaps they had come now to bring their offerings to, uh, uh, to, to receive an atonement for their sins. Uh, we read in the book of Leviticus that uh, if you wanted to receive atonement for your sin, you would bring your offering to the house of the Lord and the Lord will give you that covering for your sins. And so perhaps this was their way of seeking forgiveness of their sins. They had to make their offering, their sacrifice of their own flocks, and they brought that to God's house to seek atonement. And you know, um, often to get right with God, <coughs> it will cost us something. We have to get rid of something to get right with God. It will cost us something. But these, their offering, I think, indicated a, a genuine heart response by the people at the feast. That's the first indication. This, this wasn't just, you know, to, 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 not to escape the king's wrath. But as we read on, we'll see that uh, there's no doubt that they, their heart was uh, right and they did have a proper heart response because we read on after they had this tremendous offering of 700... Uh, 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. We read after that offering that they made a covenant. And it's there in verse 12. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all of their soul. We read here of the making of this covenant. <clears throat> now, I don't know how they did it. <laughs> it seems like they corporately covenanted to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. I don't know whether they signed a, a document as the, they did in the book of Nehemiah or whether they, someone said, who, se who seconds that will seek the Lord with all of our heart and, and, and all the people said, all those, I don't know how they did it. It seems to be a corporate covenanting of something that seems to be a very per personal individual thing, doesn't it? To seek the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul. So anyway, however they did it, I don't know, but they entered into a covenant to seek the, the Lord, the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's Jehovah, isn't it? And this is significant here. They covenanted uh, to seek Jehovah God as opposed to the other gods that they had been worshipping. Idolatry was back in the land. Some of them perhaps were worshipping those other gods. Their neighbours perhaps were worshipping. Their family members were worshipping these other gods. But this was very significant that they were covenanting to seek the Jehovah God uh, with all their hearts. Now, when we read this here, uh, they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. Uh, this sounds like something that Jesus would say, doesn't it? And, you know, he did say that. He did say this. When Jesus was asked uh, by a man, uh, I don't know if he was seeking, I think the man was trying to figure out what he had a good heart and, and what was the greatest commandment. Jesus was, was asked what was the greatest commandment. And in Matthew 28, 37, this, this was his answer. Jesus said unto him, to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And so Jesus did say something almost exactly the same as what these people covenanted way back in those days. 
but you probably realize it, Jesus didn't actually make that up on the spot. When Jesus was asked that question, he answered it by quoting a part of Deuteronomy. Just go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Keep a mark in 2 Chronicles 15, Deuteronomy chapter 4. And verse 29. And uh, there's a context, but it doesn't really matter what the context was. Uh, it's the same truth, verse 29. But if from thence, from that time, thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, and if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Now, so obviously, um, this was something that was written by Moses way back uh, in the law of Moses. Have a look in Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him and to serve the Lord with the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. And so um, these almost exact words or expressions were already, uh, had already been penned by Moses in the law of Moses. Jesus was just quoting these verses. And I wonder then if the priests at that feast, when all the people came to the feast and the offerings were made and they came to the temple, uh, I wonder if the priests were standing up and they were preaching from the book of Deuteronomy. We know that in the book of uh, Nehemiah that the priests did preach to the people out of the law of God. And it just, uh, you know, when, when we read that in, in, in uh, 2 Chronicles 15, this very same expression that we read in Deuteronomy 4, 29, uh, they, they, they covenanted to seek the Lord with all their heart and with all their soul. It, it's almost like they're quoting Deuteronomy chapter 4. And so I wonder if at that feast, the priests preached from Deuteronomy. And uh, the response of the people to the word of God and the language of the covenant they made comes directly from this book. And uh, so they responded to the preaching of God's word and to what was presented to them out of God's word. They responded positively and they corporately covenanted to seek the Lord with all their heart and with all their soul. And it was a wonderful covenant to make. It's not about works, is it? It's not about, oh, we're going to keep the Sabbath or we're going to give the Lord the first of the... It's, it's with all your heart. With all, it's a heart thing. It's a wonderful covenant to make and it's one, you know, that we all can make and at least we should make in our hearts. We should make this covenant, covenant with our hearts uh, to seek the Lord, uh, to seek the Lord to save our wretched soul if we're not saved. Seek me and you shall find me. Uh, to seek the Lord to know his will and everything, everything, every part of our life and then to seek him to serve him all of our life, it's a wonderful covenant. And not half-heartedly, not in part, but with all our hearts and soul. It's a wonderful covenant uh, to make. And I trust that you have made that covenant. This is your heart to seek the Lord with all of your heart. And so when you get back to Second Chronicles 15, you go back to our bookmark and that we read 
And they entered a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. It seems like they're, they're responding to that, what the Lord, they were shown in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and chapter 10. Now in that verse we see the making of this covenant, but then in verse 13 we read about the breaking of the covenant. Uh, you know, it goes on to, to say uh, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And so they made this wonderful covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul, but they also, as a part of the covenant, they, they, they covenanted uh, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel <laughs> will be put to death, and whether it's a man or a woman or somebody important or somebody not important. And so this was a part of the covenant they made. The people swore that they would do this. Now, we all like verse 12, but most of us don't like verse 13. That does sound a bit radical, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, certainly by our modern standards. But this, again, could be a response to the law found in Deuteronomy. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 17 this time. Deuteronomy 17. Perhaps they desired to seek the Lord with all their heart because of what the priests read to them out of Deuteronomy 4. Perhaps they also guided them to Deuteronomy 17. Verse 2. If there be found among you, within any of thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, man or woman, that hath wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God in transgressing his covenant, and hath gone and served other gods and worshipped them, either the sun or moon or any other of the host of heaven, which I have not commanded, and if it be told thee, and thou hast heard of it, and inquired diligently, and behold, it be true, and the thing certain that such an abomination is wrought in Israel, then thou shalt bring forth that man or that woman which have committed that wicked thing unto thy gates, even that man or that woman, and thou shalt stone them with stones till they die. And at the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. The hands of the witnesses uh, shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people. So shall, uh, th thou shalt put the evil away from among you. And so here is another part of God's law, the law of Moses. <clears throat> and uh, at this time, uh, when Moses wrote this, and in the time of King Asa, this was the law, the law of Moses was the law of Israel. We have a law of Australia. They have the law, had the law of Moses. Uh, now, the law of Australia wouldn't allow us to drag our neighbours out and stone them for not worshipping the Lord. That would be against the law. And the Bible tells us that we must obey our laws and we must obey our government. And anyway, Jesus told us in the New Testament to put away thy sword. Uh, he did, the Lord Jesus didn't come to bring a sword. He came to bring peace. But this was a part of the law of Israel uh, that was still active when King Asa was the king of Israel. Uh, the law of Australia, as I said, wouldn't allow us to do this in our country, although a similar law might be found in many Muslim countries. Uh, you might be dragged out, your hands chopped off or put to death uh, for speaking against Allah or someone in high places in Muslim countries, even in the world today. 
But this was the law that made idolatry of any kind a capital offence. It was uh, punishable by death. And there were safeguards in place here. You can see it's very clever. Uh, you couldn't just drag your neighbour before and, and, and say, oh, he's been worshipping idols. Uh, and then the, the, the magistrate would have to say, well, where are your witnesses? And if there were no witnesses, then the case couldn't be heard. And so there were safeguards in place so a person couldn't be accused without two or three witnesses. And so this was the law of Moses. It was the law of Israel. It was the law that the people in uh, King Asa's time were to keep. And when you think about it, such a law would have made it easier than without it to rid the land of idolatry. You know, idols can be kept out of sight. They're not all up there, you know, on, the, on top of people's houses, on the top of the hill. Uh, people can have them in their closets. People can have them in their yard, backyards. Idols can be hidden in people's houses or in people's yards. But if your neighbours are keeping the law, they could find, and they, they, perhaps it'd be easier for them to see it than for the priests or, or any of the magistrates. If the neighbours could want to keep the law, and they are keeping the law, they could find you out and they could bring you and report you to the priests. And so this, is, this was a, a very effective law of trying to rid idolatry from the land. Because idolatry was back in Judah, perhaps King Asa instructed the priests to preach from Deuteronomy. We're going to call this feast. We're going to try to rid the country again from idols, uh, help them to, to see that they've got to try to seek the Lord and not their Baal and not Ashtaroth and these other gods. Preach from Deuteronomy 4. Preach from Deuteronomy 17. What will happen if you're caught with idols? And so when the people heard the word of God, they covenant with themselves to seek the Lord, uh, but also to uh, have those people who broke that law uh, pay, the, pay the ultimate price. We read there back in Second Chronicles 15, and they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God with, of their fathers with all their heart, with all their soul, that whosoever would not seek the Lord will be put to death. <coughs> and so I think... Um, we ought not to sort of look back at that and think that somehow that, that this, was, this was not a good law. It was a, a good law and it was effective for that time and place, not for us today. Now, when they had made this covenant, they made the offering, they made this covenant, then we read that uh, they made a great noise when they made the covenant, verse 14. And they swore unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting, and with trumpets and with cornets. Uh, John Gill, he says, this shows that the oath was not extorted from them unwillingly, but they took it with the utmost cheerfulness and with all the demonstrations of joy and gladness imaginable. And so this again indicated that this wasn't to escape the king's wrath. It was really the, the, this covenant, this offering, was really to get right with God. They had, many of them, turned back to those idols. They worshipped other gods. They'd come with their offerings. They're hoping for atonement, I suppose. And they'd heard God's word and responded to God's word positively. And then we read something that is true 
for all people to get right with God. Once you're right with God, your heart is cleansed. We read of revival and rest. Verse 15. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath. That's the covenant. For they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire. And he was found of them and the Lord gave them rest round about. He who searches men's hearts, and that's the Lord, must have seen this as genuine repentance and true revival. Because after the making of this covenant, we read that the Lord was found of them. They sought him with their, with their heart, they sought him with their whole desire, and there's the, the really good part. Talk about the grace of God, and he was found of them. The Lord reached down and he accepted uh, their uh, covenant, they accepted their heart's response to his word. And as a reward, he gave them rest. And the Lord gave them rest about. Now, the rest there really is the absence of war. Verse 19, and there was no more war until the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. So this is another ten years of rest. Because uh, Asa initially uh, got rid of the idols in the land, as for the most part, and uh, he'd sought the Lord. The Lord gave him 10 years of rest. This was now five years after that. And because of this new revival amongst the people, uh, then uh, the Lord gave them another 10 years without war. And so they were found of the Lord because they'd sought the Lord. And you know, we too can be found by the Lord if we seek him. He'll find us and he'll save us if we need saving. He'll find us. And he will lead us if we need leading. He'll find us. He'll find us and he'll give us strength. He'll strengthen us and he'll keep us, uh, whatever our need might be. So once again, King Asa came through with flying colours. He responded the right way uh, to, to the prophet's message. Uh, the people responded the right way to his efforts to bring them back to the Lord. And so... Um, he really has come through as a really wonderful king. But there were still a few challenges he had to face, and we'll look at those next time. But I'll just finish with uh, the words of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29. For I know the thoughts that, you think to, that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. That's God's promise to us. If we seek him, he will be found of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you once again for the wonderful example of King Asa. And we don't have all the details of how he did things. or um, Lord, um, all, all the... the, the great uh, things that must have been done to bring these things about but we thank you that lord he took courage and he he did the work that you called him to do and i pray father we would seek you with all of our heart and with all of our soul that we might want to do your will and bring glory to your name we pray in jesus name amen